Rob, we've got new HomePods, and I couldn't be less excited. I I can't describe how unexcited I am. I about <laughs> about the the about the same HomePod at the same price, but with less stuff in it. Yeah, I mean, look, I so this dropped. Mark Gurman, it was either over the weekend or maybe it was Monday, had said that the HomePod was going to be announced soon. And he was right because it just kind of dropped unexpectedly this morning in the middle. I was doing something else and I saw I have ways of seeing those uh, seeing those press releases come out before they actually before you can find them on the website. Like I get the URL because I use like the is the app store down service, which is a really handy service if you're into that kind of thing, because those alerts will come to you either by email or, you know, they also have a Twitter account if you're still on Twitter, that you can get those alerts and I see them out of the corner. And I have those like prioritized of all alerts of that, of whatever kind I've got. I got it coming through Twitter and email. And so I see them right away and I opened it up and there it is. And I look at it and I was like, hmm, that looks awfully familiar. And I start scrolling through the, reading through the press release thinking, all right, this is all software changes. Some of these things they're talking about have already been possible for a while on the HomePod Mini. Certainly not the original HomePod, but that's only because, well, it depends how you view it. Some of those things are available on the original HomePod 2 now already. Some of them aren't only because there hasn't been a HomePod for a while, but... But I and I got through it. I was and it, and it's been a long time since we've seen the original HomePod. And I and that's when I we started digging and looking at the original HomePod specs and realizing, oh, it looks the same. It's actually, it's like uh, maybe like a, a half an inch shorter or something like that. It's a little bit sh- shorter. Yeah, I'm just going to look. So it's six point six versus six point eight inches. Yeah. Um, so it's it's <clears throat> it's very close, but it's it is smaller. It has fewer tweeters, fewer fewer microphones in the microphone array, um, and I guess the the from what I understand, the tweeters are a different variety as well. Although, you know, so jury is out on how this thing will sound compared to the original HomePod. Uh, chances are probably not quite as good, given that it's less stuff inside. But who knows? Um, but. All you really, I mean, there are some things that are coming. I, I think that there's a removable cord from this one. I got people excited on Mastodon about that because when you go to, you know how there's always a section in the text box, in the tech specs that says what's in the box? What, one of the things listed in that list was a power cable. And that was not true with the original HomePod because it was attached. Now, like you could, there was a way to get it out, but you know, it wasn't like made to be removed. And so this is probably like a USB-C thing, I would think. Whether it comes with a power brick or not, who knows? Um, you know, I mean, they don't always. Uh, I think the Mini does though. So so I wouldn't be surprised if it does come with a brick, but it, it just said power cable. And maybe, I guess, I think the, the power supply was built into the original HomePod, so maybe it really is just a cable that plugs in because, without any kind of brick. But in any event, um, there's that. It's a matter controller now, which the original one isn't. The original one, 
I guess the original one can be a matter controller, but it doesn't have a thread radio, and this one has a thread radio. So it's got like all the stuff you want to have it be a full-on matter and thread compatible home automation controller, which is good if you need one of those, but you know, no different than like a mini, for instance, a HomePod mini, or many other devices you can get you know, from Google and, and other places. Um, it has, what does it have? It has a, a temperature and humidity sensor. Sure, why not? I mean, you know, that has been true in the mini since the beginning and it's never been activated. And with a, soft, with a software update next week, that's going to be activated, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Yes, so this is something I know I heard Federico talking about on Connected and something that we've always thought was really weird was that the HomeKit APIs permit you to trigger automations on HomeKit devices based on thresholds on sensors. So, you know, once it hits 25 degrees or 50% humidity, whatever it happens to be, that's part of the API, but it's never been possible to do in the Home app. Instead, you had to go to something like the Home Plus app. There's some third parties that have been able to do it. And they were actually doing it with APIs built by Apple, but never implemented by Apple for its own stuff. Very bizarre situation. But now you'll have that those sensors in there. And I think some of this stuff is being activated next week with 16.03 iOS and iPadOS and, you know, HomePod upgrades and all that stuff. Some Some of these... Some of these features are coming to the original HomePod too. There's like a new, there's a new tone, like a chime when you, when you control something that doesn't, isn't visual, for instance, as opposed to your lights, which it's pretty obvious whether your lights came on or off. If you're, at least if you're in the same room. Um, but if it's something like turn my thermostat up two degrees, you know, you have no idea whether that actually worked unless there's some sort of chime confirmation. So there's that. So there's that. Um, there's some new sound recognition stuff where it can it, it can recognize smoke alarms and carbon monoxide detectors. The, the you know the alarms on those things. And so if you're, it's an accessibility feature for people who can't hear those things. But you know, but you can also implement. Anybody can implement them. Like if you want to get notifications on your phone, for instance, if you're away from home and your fire alarm goes off. Good to know, you know, I mean, um, so there's that. But by and large, it's not really much different. It's kind of uninspired, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean. And it's $300. For me, right. Like, I saw this and, you know, the original one came out and I didn't buy it at $350. And then they dropped it to $300 and I didn't buy one. And then they killed it. And I still, you know, I didn't buy one then either. And I'm not going to buy one now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so eventually you could get them pretty regularly for about 250 in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I had an original one from back when they first came out. And so I did get a second one as a pair. And that's currently what I'm using as my TV speakers um, in my living room. And I do like them. They're very good. They sound great. I have heard, I know a lot of people whose original HomePods don't work anymore. I hear yeah. that a lot on our Discord, the Mac Stories Discord for the club. And um, I know Stephen Hackett has had two out of his three that he owned die. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of been waiting for mine to die. So it's a good thing in the sense that now if I wanted to replace one of those with another HomePod, I could. 
But I actually think at this point, since they're being used for my TV, I would probably just get a Sonos soundbar at this point, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the, definitely the, the... I've had some conversations in a in a Slack today about the exact same thing. Um, I, I don't know this. You know, you, you've listed a bunch of stuff there that, that is new. And, and I guess that, you know, hoping that people are going to be excited by, you know, sound recognition and stuff like that. And that's great if it's an accessibility feature, but there's nothing here, really. I feel like it almost feels like they sold all the all the HomePods that they could. Um, and the only people who are going to be buying these are going to be just replacing the ones that have broken for inexplicably, right. even though it's only a few years old. Right. And, and I mean, and you got to remember, too, that a lot of these features are coming to the Mini, too, which is much more affordable. Like, you know, they have the, those same sensors in them. So, you know, they're going to have that. And some of these features are going to come to the original HomePod. It's not like you need to buy this to get all the features. There are some things that the original doesn't have, like a thread radio and stuff like that. So, I mean, and there are people who have never bought it, bought either and probably want something more that has more sound, you know, can fill a room better than just a, a mini can. That makes sense. But I, I was hoping for something maybe more like a sound bar with an Apple TV built in or something like that. Something a little more, a new form factor, maybe something with some more interesting features built into it because around Christmas time. The thing I got myself for Christmas was a Sonos Move speaker, which is very much like an original HomePod. It's in the sense that it's it's more oval, but it's it's you know roughly the same size, costs re- close to the same amount of money, but it has a giant battery in the base and a handle on it and you can carry it around and you can take it outside because it's water resistant. And that's kind of nice. I got it mainly so we could have it out on our balcony in the summertime uh, and listen to music outside. And it's not like it's not so portable that you would like carry it around with you down the street because it's three pounds. But but it, it's easy enough to move from room to room. You know what I mean? If you want to have it, and I can toss it in the kitchen, listen to it while I'm you know making dinner or something like that. But that's a lot more interesting to me in that it's an AirPlay speaker that I can use in more rooms in my house more easily. And it's somewhat water resistant and and has a battery in it um, that lasts quite a long time. So, yeah, th- something like that, too. You know, something similar to that would have been kind of interesting as well. But have this, which is really just kind of a retread for $50, basically picking up the price where the last HomePod left off. Yes, technically $50 less than when it, when it debuted, but still more expensive than you could buy it at Best Buy or you know, Amazon when the thing was finally, finally killed. Yeah, this is, this is just, yeah, do whatever. <laughs> I mean, people are going to get these and, you know, I'm sure they're going to be, you know, a thousand different videos of comparing the sound and, but I just don't, this is just not interesting to me no. in the slightest. I, don't, I, don't, no. I saw it and, and, you know, I, I had a little look and I saw, you know, saw your notes about what was different and size and stuff like that, but who cares? Right. Like this is just, this is just not an interesting product. At you all. know who's really sad are those people who are selling the original HomePod on the uh, on on uh, eBay. I oh, just yeah. opened up eBay to see what the going price is now. <laughs> if it's if it's dropping, <laughs> oh yeah, there aren't as many uh, on here as yeah, there used to be. No, no, I, I can't imagine there is. But there uh, is a great story on um, nine to five Mac that I think Zach Hall did a month or two ago, when there were rumors of this, and he looked on eBay and he he collected a bunch of photos 
of home pods that had been abused by their owners and were like incredibly beat up or dirty and <laughs> oh they looked they were so gross some of them yeah especially the white ones are yeah uh, they get to, those really... yeah they don't they don't age well i don't think i'm glad i didn't i'm no. glad i didn't go with white ever yeah we've got one of the um i wanted to call it a space gray but it's like a light gray material echoes right. and that was in the kitchen for a while and you know we're not we're not dirty people. I wasn't like rubbing dirty hands no, all over it, but that does not yeah, stuff in the that air. does not look nice now. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh man. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Wow. From one slightly sad thing to more sad things. Yes. Um, like Twitter completely killed most, not all, but most third party clients. Um, it's gone. Tweetbot's gone. Twitterific's gone. I'm sure there's a bunch of others that I don't know about. Yeah, there were quite a few, both on iOS and on Android. And I've got a theory about why it's not all of them. And I want to run it by you and see what you think as a developer, which is there are a whole bunch of Twitter apps that aren't Twitter clients. They are things used in the advertising world for people who are like social media managers and that kind of thing. And if Twitter killed those they would lose even more advertisers and they the advertisers would have freaked out. And my assumption is, is that Twitter does not distinguish what kind of app is using its API. So all it can really do is go through a list one by one, starting with the one that's using, you know, maybe making the most requests of the API and kill them off one by one. Does that sound plausible to you? I mean, that sounds absolutely plausible. You're right, because you can't, you know, the, the kind of things you're talking about is like Buffer, Sprout exactly. Social. You know, there's a bunch of these like... Hootsuite and Typefully and all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think they went after... And it's always been strange that, you know, I've used... You know, we've both used Twitter for 10, 12 years. I've never seen an ad. <laughs> right. You know, I, <laughs> I've literally... I've never seen an advert in my Twitter feed because... I used, you know, I used Tweety to start with, and then it was, you know, Tweetbot, and there was, you know, there's a whole bunch of other Twitter apps on iOS and on the Mac. Um, I used Tweetbot there. Like, we've never seen adverts. Like, we just don't use the official app. And yet, you know, so Twitter was making no money off of us at all. You know, yeah, fine, we, you know, we tweeted, and that's content or whatever. But they were never directly making any money off of us because there was no advert. So from a business standpoint it makes sense to kill them off the way they did it sucked but i kind of understand why they needed to do it yeah i'm not surprised that they did it i am i was very upset with the way it was done i thought it was very um poorly handled i mean it was really disgraceful the way they did that i mean i to me they burned their bridge with ever being able to work with third-party developers ever again on on any scale and i would not be particularly interested in continuing to work with Twitter if I were one of these other apps that wasn't cut off, even if it's like one of these social media manager apps. But I mean, so yeah, the last Thursday night, it just stopped working. And what it did is it logged people out of the apps. So you couldn't see anything. You couldn't even see like the old tweets. It's not like tweets just stopped coming in. You got completely logged out of the app, out of the service on the app so that it was just a shell. And that happened to Tweetbot, that happened to Twitterific, it happened to a bunch. And um, that happened on a Thursday night, US time, 
And it was just yesterday as we record this that Twitter set, may, had some very vague and incomprehensible tweet about how they have been enforcing longstanding API rules and as a result, some apps may not work, which is not really an explanation other than it is confirmation that it was intentional, which was already pretty well documented by the fact that the information, which is a website, got hold of some Slack messages that, to that effect, internal Slack messages from Twitter. And Paul Haddad at TweetBot had uh, used an old API key that they had, an unused API key that had much lower user limits on it and swapped it in for the old API key that had been turned off and voila, TweetBot came back to life for a few hours <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon, I think, before, before it got turned off um, again. And I wrote about it on Mac Stories. I, was, I, I knew this was coming. Like by Friday morning, I knew that I was going to write about it, but the time wasn't right yet. I was waiting to see if I was waiting for some confirmation that it was intentional and to see if Twitter came out and said anything and they, when they didn't, but then it was, but then it was also clear that it was intentional Sunday morning. I wrote something about it and posted that, which was a little bit of a, uh, it was two paragraphs of news and the rest of it was kind of a look back at the importance of third party clients to the service itself and why that made it such a, a terrible thing to do it the way Twitter did it. Yeah, I mean, again, this has been said a million times, like us users of third party clients are such a small amount of, of Twitter's users, um, you know, the, the the business case to worry about keeping us on, given that probably, you know, a significant portion have already left of their own volition already. Um, and, and, you know, from a business standpoint, it's, it, it's almost unusual that, that Twitter, which is a fairly, you know, big, well-known social media site, does allow third-party apps. You know, there's no third-party apps for Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, the, the likes of Pocket or Instapaper for the most part. Like, there isn't really third-party apps for a lot of these services. Um, so Twitter was kind of unique in that way that that we had such a huge selection of apps to choose from. Right, right. No, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, I mean, I think it was poorly, very poorly handled. I feel really bad for the developers who are involved. I mean, they're a big part of kind of the app developer community that we followed for a long time on Mac Stories. And I hate to see them kind of treated this way, which, you know, Twitter can do what they what they want to do. It's their service. It's their API. But that doesn't mean they should do it in a way that's, you know, as tasteless and and heavy-handed as they did. So it's it's unfortunate. I don't think they're coming back. I think they're done. I noticed yet another big influx of people on Mastodon over the weekend. And uh, I also had what I was really kind of, I guess, the first big test of our Mac Stories Mastodon server because our posts on that article went effectively at well as viral as i've seen anything go viral on mastodon which is to say that i was getting like 20 to 25 notifications a minute for hours on a sunday which is really un, super unusual and they by the end of the day it was in the thousands and that was my account federico's and the site's account and i had alex take a look at the uh the stats to see it you could see it 
I mean, we never soaked up more than like 35% of the memory, which was good, but it was definitely a, a big um, bump compared to, you know, the normal usage of our server. And, um, but that's because a lot of people were really upset. And, you know, it, I mean, I think it probably struck a little bit of a chord with them, but it, it, because it's just not the way that uh, developers or users for that matter really, um, you know, should be treated. No, I, I mean, it, it's so, in some ways, like for TweetBot, at least, at least it's not ideal, it's awful, but it came right before the yearly subscriptions are renewing again. I literally got my subscription renewal email this morning that was like, oh, it's going to be renewing soon. And I'm like, well, I won't be renewing that. Because uh. um, I, I, I'm imagining a scenario, and you know, of course, there'll be people coming in and out, but I think maybe we're sort of around the anniversary perhaps he seemed to imply of, of when they, you know, launched yeah, the subscription. Um, and can you imagine a scenario where people have just paid for that subscription for a year and then a month later TweetBot stops working like that? Like that would be such a mess for, for TweetBot, for, you know, Apple support with people asking for refunds. Yeah. and it's Something that big, I'm sure Apple would step in. You know, they have done that kind of thing before where they're just like, oh, we'll just refund all the payments and be done with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a crappy situation and it, you know, TweetBot was such a good app. Um, but you know, Ivory is coming and, and Ivory is infinitely better because it has access to every feature that Mastodon has to offer rather than some limited subset that they sort of try and work around and right, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. No, it's a very good app. Um, we're going to have a review on Mac stories. I kind of almost expected to have it by that it would be out by today, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. I they haven't told us when it's coming out, but my my sense is that it's coming out very soon. And I think I think they should. I mean, I I'm not a big believer in in launching unfinished products or with a lot of bugs, but I've been using this long enough that I think the core features are enough there. Enough of them are there, and it's not buggy. That they should just launch it and and you know, and move on. Absolutely. I mean, from my point of view, there's really there's two features that I know I'm missing. I know they have a, a fairly they've got a hefty list on their website, um, but the two I'm missing is is showing image alt text, um, which most master apps uh, right, do. Where right. you open the image and it sort of shows that. And the other thing they're missing, which actually took me a while to realize, was they're missing the uh, profile links on profiles. Um, oh yeah that's true know, so i hadn't thought of that <laughs> right so you've done the same as me you've just gone yeah it's just just tweetbot but for mastodon i'm like completely that's true there is more to links it. on their profile right, right um so those are the really the profile one is probably a bigger problem or not problem but it's the thing i'm missing the most um you know but like you say i think they're gonna i think they're and and, and, I th- and, and you're right i think they should yeah, I, because I, I, people will give them money exactly i think that they are handling mutes differently like maybe it's their own internal system instead of the mastodon one because i'm pretty sure that if you mute someone on ivory it'll they'll, they'll still show up if you're on the mastodon website for instance right yeah which again might be sort of a a holdover from how Tweetbot works. I think so. Um, So, but you know, I've kind of got faith in them that given what they've said on Mastodon, I've kind of got faith that like, because they have access to the full API, you know, they're not hindered in any way. All this stuff is coming. You know, they, 
they've said we're excited to work on this we've been excited since we started because everything is available to right them. right yeah no well i i hope it works out for him i mean i'm looking forward to you know use it it's the app that i've been using the most I'm i'm hoping that they'll get the mac app out at some point too Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be really nice. <laughs> so uh, should we finish up, Rob, by talking about the series premiere of The Last of Us, which came out, I guess it was, what was it, uh, Sunday night, uh, U.S. time at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was Sunday night U.S. time, so I got to work, um, you know, 9 o'clock, half 8, 9, and immediately downloaded it ready to to watch when I got home. Um, I don't think I've been this excited about a TV show for a long time. I mean, the games, I, I love the games. Like, they're, they're probably my favorite games of all time. And even just the story on its own, uh-huh. you know, I've always thought, like, the story is one of the best stories I've ever seen, even ignoring the gameplay. So for them to bring it to a TV show that is going to be, you know, approximately the same sort of length as a playthrough of the game is like, right, okay, so they've got plenty of... They've got plenty of runway to explore all the different bits of the show of the series, mm-hmm. and um, this show is just incredible. You know, it's one episode, and I'm like, this is some of the best TV I've ever seen in my I life. I was very surprised that it was an hour and a half long. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't expecting almost you know like a movie length opening uh, opening episode. And it, you're right, I thought it was really, really fantastic. It's it it immediately reminded me of the game. Those early scenes. Um, you know, I think like, um, the, especially the car scenes for some, I guess, because you have, I think you have to, it's been a long time since I played. Don't you have to drive around in the beginning of the game? Like you do that, that's that scene, uh, you know, where they're driving the truck from the house through the town. Like that is almost like a shot for shot remake of, of what you do. That's what um, that's what I thought because it really when I was watching that I was like oh I feel like I'm playing the game again all of a sudden yeah I mean the because there, there's two parts that and I haven't played it for a while but there's two parts obviously you you know you play Joel in the game right you do fight off a bunch of zombies as you're making the way to the um to the town but then there's sort of like a long cutscene where all you can do is control Ellie. And what you're getting is exactly the camera work they did in the episode where the camera is like swinging around inside the car. Like, so you're sort of seeing over Ellie's shoulder and then out the front of the car. Right. Like, that was pretty much bang on exactly what it was like in the game. Yeah, that that part of it and the part where they're leaving Boston for the for the first time reminded me of the game a lot too, where they're doing kind of the stealth kind of the stealth mode part of the of the episode towards the end of the uh the first one where they're they're encountering, you know, the the soldier, and they're encountering some other stuff and creeping around, trying to get a, avoid getting caught. Yeah, and, and I think one thing that that I hadn't really thought of, and, and um, you know, it, is that in because it's a video game, like you you see somebody get shot, there's a zombie, whatever. Like, yeah, it's it, it's a very immersive game, but it's like you know, it's a video game. Mm-hmm. There is something about live action, and partially because they did such an incredible job, it's horrifying. Like, you only see one infected person, essentially, sort of close up on the first episode. And it's just some of the most horrifying visual effects I've ever seen. Oh, I know. It was really really nerve-wracking, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I thought it was really well done, too. It was... um... 
really good. And I, I, do you know how many episodes there are supposed to be of this? Uh, I think it's nine. Okay. So, you, you know, we should be looking at, depending on length, sort of 10 to 11 hours, which, funnily enough, the game is about 12 hours of playthrough. Mm-hmm. If you sort of, you know, you sort of play on medium and you collect a few bits and stuff like that. So um, even in my head, I can sort of imagine how they're going to split the episodes out. Um, But I kind of like that we're getting extra stuff as well. So like the whole, you know, the whole section with with his daughter at the beginning, you know, the first 20 minutes, like that's not in the game. You don't see any of that. Um, You know, that, that the the TV interview from the 60s or whatever, like that's not part of the game. Um, you don't see Sarah going to fix the watch or doing any of this stuff. Like all of that is additional uh, backstory that we don't get from the game. So it's kind of, um, and and I did hear this on the on the official podcast. Like they said, like what they wanted they wanted to do with that first twenty minutes is be like, right, I know you've played the game, we know you love it, but you are getting something different here. You're not just getting right. a retelling of the exact same story. That's cool. How is the podcast? I haven't listened to it. Uh, yeah, it's really good. Oh, okay, um, give it. A- I think I'm about. I'm about halfway through on that one, so it's the uh, the the producer, the chap from Chernobyl. Um, uh-huh. It's Neil Druckmann and Troy Baker, who played Joel in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of podcasts, uh, Brian Hamilton, Ben McCarthy, and Tiff Armen also have one on the Incomparable, which is very good as well. Oh, good, good. I'll have to check that out. So, um, and, and I'm kind of glad there's two because I cannot stop thinking about this. Like, <laughs> I've watched this one episode and it's all I can do to, you know, look up IMDb and see all the, like, the cast and all of this kind of stuff and listen to podcasts and read about it. Like, I cannot believe how much one episode has, like, got me excited about the whole series. Yeah. Especially because essentially it's a retelling of the first sort of hour and a half of the game. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really excited for this. Yeah. So you uh, is, are you? Does that mean you're going to dip back into the game too? Do you think? Yeah, I have been. I've been waiting for a price drop on the the PS5 remaster. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to be able to hold out much longer. I think I'm just going to end up buying. My it guess so is, yeah, with the show going on, they're not going <laughs> to drop the price for a while. I think, Rob. You know what I mean? No, I don't think they are, and I think I'm just going to have to buy yeah. it um, and play it because I. I just can't get enough of it. I mean, you know, like I say, it was, it's been my favorite game, both of them really, for you know, since I've played them. And yeah, to, to get a TV show that is, you know, it's big budget, they're really putting a lot of effort in. It's got Neil Druckmann, who was the director on the original game, mm-hmm. and then he was involved in the second game. It's like, I don't think there's a, a more perfect combination to like convert a game to a TV show. Yeah, and I mean, boy, there's such a, bad history of trying to convert games into movies and tv shows it rarely it mm-hmm. rarely works well and uh this this is different though i think quite a bit different this is different and this is you know this is a a very it's 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 you know it's a show for adults you're not going to show this to no. your 10 year old or something right. and compared to something like sonic or even the ridiculous super mario brothers movie um you know good and the ones that have been successful, like Sonic, is a good example where people actually like that. I wouldn't really call that a game adaptation. It's literally just, oh, here's a guy from the the games that you right. know, and it's a weird movie. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm and, and usually I would binge a show as well. I'd just wait till the end. This I couldn't wait. I was like, no, I'm going to watch every week. Yeah, no, I'm afraid that if I <laughs> if I waited, then I'd hear too much because it's everywhere. Everybody's talking about it at the same time. So. 
I am, even though I know the story basically already, mm-hmm. I am going to watch it every week, I think. Probably not on Sunday nights, probably like a Monday or Tuesday thing for me, I, I think. I just watched yeah. it last night on Tuesday night, and that worked pretty well. Um, so I'll, I'll probably do that as well. I think I am going to dive back into the game too. I haven't, I haven't yet, but um, I have that remaster sitting on my PS5, and I haven't touched it. So it's, I think it's time to do that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I would say it's kind of hard because I kind of, you know, I already know the yeah. story, but I think based on what I've seen of the show so far, I think if you haven't played the games, so you, you know, or maybe you don't know the story or whatever, I still think you'll enjoy this. Oh, I think this. so too, because it's been a long time since I've played. I, I've both played some of the game and seen my kids play even more of it, but it was a long time ago now. I mean, this game is not a new game by any stretch, and I still... You know, and I, I still feel like I got a lot out of it. I mean, it was familiar for sure. And I had a general idea of where the story was going. But I, I feel like I got a lot more out of watching the TV show, uh, even though, you know, even though I'd already seen the, the plot of the game. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll come back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, sounds good. At least by that by then we would have had two more episodes nice. <laughs> we'll make it into a uh, you know what you can do we can make another last of us podcast and then you can re-listen to it so you have even more last of us content okay <laughs> <laughs> all right amazing all right speak okay, to you later bye.